0: Welcome to the podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Matt Smith. So thankful that you wanted to take the time out of your day to be able to listen to this episode. Before we get into our guest, I want to go ahead and thank our presenting sponsor, Optimal Nutrition Athletics. We all know that protein is the key to muscle recovery, and best-selling Gold Standard 100% Whey protein provides 24 grams of protein that mixes easily using just a glass and spoon. Gold Standard 100% Whey is made in their state-of-the-art facility. It's banned substance tested by informed choice. And with Optimum Nutrition Athletic Program, you can get different products such as their Pro Gainer, which is their mass gainer, their protein snacks, which are their crisp bars, wafers, cake bites, and almonds. And after dominating the sports nutrition industry for over 30 years, newly created Optimum Nutrition Athletics brings that same trust and quality, and knows how to put convenient options for protein in the hands of athletes, who desire to become bigger, stronger, and better at their sport? If this is something that you're interested in and in getting for your athletes or into your facility, down in the show notes we have Dave Harvey of Optum nutrition Athletics, where you can email him on how to get those products into your facility. If you're a strength and conditioning coach, or if you're a facility owner, owner I like suggest that you reach out to Dave. They've got wonderful products. Like I said, their powders are absolutely wonderful. the The go to snacks, I mean, they're awesome, man. Um, he sent, he sent me some. I've been able to have some myself. And I'm just very thankful to, to be able to try those and have them be our presenting sponsor of the podcast. So again, reach out to Dave Harvey of Optimum Nutrition Athletics for all your needs, and he's got what you what you need down there in the show notes. Now for our guest this week, it is Nick Showman of Showtime Strength. Nick is the owner and operator of Showtime Strength. He's also the head strength and conditioning coach there. He's got a wonderful background where he talks about owning a bodybuilding company, uh, being a former bodybuilder himself. And then how he got into being a gym owner, getting into strength and conditioning, uh, meeting Mark Watts at Denison University as well, and then owning his own facility. I think this is a really awesome episode for a lot of coaches that have a lot of questions about you know owning your own facility, and, and Nick is a perfect example and a perfect guest and just a great person. So I really hope that you really enjoy this episode. I learned a ton from it. Nick is also a uh, former power lifter at Westside Barbell as well, very uh, accomplished lifter, Uh, I suggest you go to openpowerlifting.org and look up some of his lifts. Very strong guy, but he's also super smart, and he knows how to communicate with his athletes. Again, this is probably one of my favorite episodes, just in the uh, mindset of what he does as a coach and how he helps his athletes out. So make sure you reach out to Nick. All of his information is down in the show notes. If you want to follow the podcast, that's down in the show notes as well. Again, thank you to our presenting sponsor, Optimum Nutrition Athletics and Dave Harvey. Again, his information is down in the show notes if that's something you're interested in. Thank you to everybody that helps support this podcast, every single person that listens to this podcast. Uh, very thankful for all of you guys. Big things for coming here in the future. A lot of great guests. Thank you to our past guests and to our future guests. Again, thank you to everybody that listens to the podcast. And everybody. Stay strong.
1: What's up, guys? Very lucky to have uh, Nick uh, Showman of Showtime Strength. He's the owner and operator of Showtime Strength out in uh, Newark, Ohio. Nick, how are you this morning?
2: Good, man. How about you?
1: Fantastic. Uh, a bucket list guest, most definitely. Uh, for me I was very excited when you reached out and said hey let's do the podcast man so uh very oh. excited if you want to give the listeners just a little bit of your uh your coaching background and what got you into the madness of what is uh strength and conditioning and, and fitness
2: yeah so I mean I started out just lifting weights in high school like everyone else and got into powerlifting, bodybuilding all that and uh in Oh nine, my buddy introduced me to Mark Watts and was like hey I, he's a Denison strength coach I'm like oh that's cool I didn't know there was such a thing as a strength coach like I had a call I mean that sounds so dumb now but it, like I thought there's personal trainers and physical therapists and that's it
0: mm-hmm. so
2: he's like yeah you, maybe you should do an internship with him I'm like all right so I went out met with Watts and he's like yeah like here's what we have um, we don't have anything to offer you like it's a D3 school. Denison was really small, no budget for anything. Um, he's like, But if you want to meet anybody, I can at least set that up. I'm like, Okay, whatever. I was like, I, you know, I was 19 or 20, like, I have nothing else to do, and I live five minutes down the road. So it's not a like, if it doesn't work out, I'm not really out anything.
1: It, right.
2: So went, and did that, and that was an 09. And like day one, I was like, oh my gosh, I know nothing. Like day one, I like when I met him, it was like, yeah, workout, everything's cool. And then day one of actual coaching, I walk in and he's like, hey, there's 63 football players out in the gym. They need to go through a dynamic warm up, hip mobility, this, that. I'm like, I had never, like, dude, I didn't know what any of this meant. So I'm like, oh, I'm so screwed. So I, luckily, I uh, <laughs> one of the student interns. I was like, hey, can you help me with this? And they just built off that. And then, um, like, I didn't know Watts is like a super well respected and super connected strength coach. I just thought, yeah, there's this guy at Denison. Like, I got very lucky who I learned from. Like, I couldn't have picked a better, <laughs> better no. internship, and to have it right by my house. Like, man, it was incredible. He helped me get a job at this um, speed and agility place in town. So I stayed with Watts for three years. And two of those years, I was working at this private facility, ended up being there three years total. Um,
0: And it was, it was good. And it
2: just got to a point where I was, I started getting a good client base. And when I got to the speed and agility place, I went away from what, like the system or philosophy I had developed through Watts and Denison and sort of adapted theirs but then it came full circle I'm like no this is what's working and this is what's <laughs> going on in other places and it just got to a point I was like I need a change drastically my fiance who I met through my internship at Denison she had graduated and came back and she was um, she had finished her doctoral physical therapy program and the only place she could get a job was in California through a company she had um, done one of, one of her rotations with. Mm-hmm. So she was in California and I just said, whether well, I'm either moving to California to be with her or I'm opening a gym, something's changing. Because when you see things happening in other parts of the country, like you know that it's possible. Right. Like, And it was it be, yeah, it became uh, infuriating that that wasn't what we had, like just the whole culture and like, I wanted a place where athletes wanted to be, not just you're here from this time to this time and leave. Um, So, yes, I opened. I mean, it it was a uh, very poor planning process. Swearing is totally fine. (laughs) Swearing is totally fine, especially in
1: certain circumstances. Definitely. Uh,
2: You know, from the time I was like, I think I need to do my own thing to like opening and quitting my job and having not really any income it was like three or four weeks. It was like, I don't like this. This is getting bad. Made out a business plan that I don't think I've looked at since. (laughs) And I was just like, (laughs) the timing for, I was like, this is the time. If I'm going to do this, you know, everyone always talks like, Oh, I'm going to open up my own gym because I lift weights and that's what I want to do with my life. So I was like, if I'm going to do this at any point, it's now. And that was 2013. And and during that time, I actually also ran a um, drug tested bodybuilding organization, <laughs> which was really, wow. wild. <laughs> yeah. that was my first dive into business. I started, I was 20 when that happened. Um, yeah. So Corey Gregory um, had, i trying to think, he had ran it, he had started the organization and then he got busy running Muscle Farm was like hey if you want to take this over just find a place to have it and we'll run the first show together then it's yours so we started with 13 competitors like it was real small real real small and the biggest we had was 106 competitors I mean it was nuts So that is
1: insane
2: yeah so that did uh, I think did 8 shows ran 8 shows I've ran bodybuilding shows um, strongman competitions powerlifting meets sports performance seminars and (laughs) a Jenny Finch softball. clinic.
1: Oh, wow. That's awesome, man. I mean, that's a ton of stuff. I mean, but that just goes to show um, if anything, this pandemic has showed us in my opinion is that it's not necessarily that you have to be a Jack of all trades, but you probably should figure out how to do some other things. So like the fact that you have the experience in doing all those things, it's probably helped you in what your business and you're doing now throughout since 2013, I'm assuming you've had all those different
2: challenges that you've done yeah the event planning is pretty useless now that we can't have events but exactly you know like even our powerlifting we man we've had world records broken at our meets um and i mean dave hoff benched 1015 we've had three 900 plus pound deadlifts several thousand thousand plus pound squats like and you know same thing just our Jenny Finch clinic, that was a one and done. That was too much. Dude, We had like, I forget how many, 185 girls. And then like, yeah. yeah, that was, it was fun. Thank God Jenny Finch is a stud and like overhauled the whole clinic and just had the girls like, oh, this is Jenny Finch. This is so yeah. cool. Like she was awesome. She was, she saved the day. Um, but yeah, so having those organizational skills has helped a lot like i said now that like we haven't had a power we didn't have a power lifting meet all of 2020 mm-hmm. um you know so that's but we have had sports performance seminars that dave told me that those are tricky to make money on and he never really made money on it and i saw why like it's especially, you know, during the shutdown, like you said, like everyone's shifting and, Oh, let's do a zoom, you know, zoom thing, charge five or 10 bucks. And, and then that, I did that for a minute and then I got pissed off. Cause I'm like, man, listen, we're in a shutdown. Everybody's stressed to the max and all you guys want to do is talk to other strength coaches about strength conditioning. Like yeah. this, this shit doesn't matter. Like that i I became really salty during all that just because like there's a lot going on. And if you're a collegiate strength coach, collegiate strength conditioning, I think is going to change a lot in the next three to five years. You know, I don't think it's fully uh, come all the way through with how many jobs are not going to be hiring. You know, people are still getting their their CSCS. So they're still making strength coaches and there's still people getting an exercise science degree. So we're going to have a lot more, like there's already been a lot of people, a lot more people with a CSCS that are strength coaches than strength coach jobs. Yep. And so now at what point it's going to get really bad because all the small schools where everybody gets their start, they're not going to have strength conditioning money. Exactly. (laughs) So have fun interning for free for another four years.
1: Yeah. That's, that's uh, I was talking to some people about that as well. I go, you know, I don't think we're going to see the true effects of this, like you said, for another three to five years, and it, it might not bounce back the way even sooner than that. And I don't think it will because, like you said, I just there's always somebody willing to take that job if there's the money available. I mean, you know, I've known people that'll just take the job for free, regardless, you know, and they'll work the 60 hour weeks and then they'll go work for UPS in the evening and stuff like that.
2: Yeah. Um, luckily, I'm to the point in my life where I'm over the 60 hour weeks of coaching. Um, yeah, like, and that but that's the thing. I mean, strength coaches, I think got exposed during the whole pandemic saying, like, if you working all the time is fine, but it's not sustainable. Like you just had a kid, you have a wife, like, I have a wife, I have a dog, like, <laughs> at what point do we say, Oh, we have to have a life. Like, your, your athletes are only there one to four years. And exactly. So, yeah, that's my soapbox for that.
1: Well, you know, to kind of point out to that as well, when the shutdown happened and even – I mean, it's still going on. Some places are still not able to coach their athletes. Instead of worrying so much about the Zoom meetings or whatever it is, go spend some time with your family if you're able to. Because I mean, if anything, this pandemic has showed us too as well, like is how quickly life is fleeting and stuff like that. Um, I, I think that's what's most important. And hopefully I've, you know, I've had some conversations with coaches too, as well. They've had this time with their family and they're realizing it's not really strength and conditioning at the college level. I enjoy so much. It's like, I just enjoy training in general. And there's other ways for me to work and still be able to do that. You know, I found that personally in myself working for a, For my company i can still do this podcast i can still do my powerlifting stuff and i can still talk to awesome people like yourself i mean i necessarily don't have to do the traditional twenty thousand dollar a year 60 hour work weeks you know and never see my wife and kids
2: and that's what um that's what i always try to tell people whether they want to be a personal trainer or collegiate strength coach high school strength coach whatever there's ways to be involved from the outside like hewitt tomlin that runs team builder what he's done with team builder and made programming and access just he's done a phenomenal job so he's involved with strength and conditioning but he's not in strength and conditioning exactly you know um like you have this podcast um like when dave tate got out of powerlifting he started elite and was writing articles and provided informational content like there are ways to be in it without being in it and I think we'll see more of that, and I think a lot of good things are going to come. So I'm pretty excited. Like I always tell my wife, like I think a lot of good's going to come from this. Um, she started her own practice and is already seeing, like you know, she left a major hospital and she's pretty much doing her own thing and contracted with some companies. But it's like she's like, this is this is better for us. This is better for me. Like. So, you know, when we're looking at ways how she could be integrated at the gym and it's, there's a lot of good that's going to come out from it for those that stick around.
1: Yeah, absolutely. If you stick around, and you just, you just keep finding what you love. Most importantly, good things are going to come from it. And, you know, I made an Instagram post about this and I think this is what's most important right now is just be present where you're at you know, right now I'm in a podcast with you. Be present with Nick in the podcast. Don't worry about anything else, you know. Yeah. I think a lot, of, a lot of people need to understand that it's just right here, right now. That's all we need to worry about. Quit worrying so much about the next semester's kids and everything like that. Just worry about right here, right now. That's one right. I thing I hope people can kind of look into because we're in 2021 now. And, you know, I just hope that's what can happen.
2: Yeah, and I got I got way off sidetracked, but you were asking like how I got started. I mean, really, it was Watts. Corey Gregory showed me some about personal training, and I was around Watts through the end of his coaching career. And the best thing was I got to see the pros and cons of it. And he was also what made me not want to be a collegiate strength coach. (laughs) Yeah, like just seeing that every day like all you know every day all day um but having him as a mentor and when I opened the gym he was a huge help and then we started running meets um started running powerlifting meets and that was honestly just a way to collect money to buy equipment for the gym like that's how it started and then um I think we'd ran three and man they sucked I'm not like they were bad like asking my brother and his buddy hey you guys have to do this meet this weekend because we only got like 12 lifters <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then um, you know I was lifting in them just to have another person yeah. you know so in between like unclogging toilets and loading weights <laughs> and helping people like I was lifting and then um, then I got a check in the mail with a list of names from Westside Marbeau and I'm like what the hell <laughs> so and it was just a list of names like just random like i wish like silent joe like Tim, like no first and last name just like whatever they call him in the gym i'm like what the hell so then i get a call from tom who runs the business for lou and he's like yeah we're bringing some lifters like do you have equipment and i'm like um if you guys are coming can you like bring another bench and like some more weights like <laughs> Like, we had some weights, but, like, I didn't want to stack, you know, 800 pounds and 45s on a 45-pound Texas bar. Right. Like, it got real quick. And um, so, I lifted at the first meet when Lou brought people. And I deadlifted 600. That was, like, a big deal for me. I was like, yeah, 600-pound deadlift. Awesome. And then I took 620 or 625 on my third. And it, like, did not budge. I'm like what oh. like what the hell 600 looked like 135 like and like big josh who um uh, i always give big josh all the credit he's the one that as far as my training and my understanding of conjugate training like without him i would have never done anything he went to all my meets he hand, like he handed out every bench like he was at every workout like
1: that's
2: awesome he, he was the one like I remember him telling like, I was like, I just don't think I'm one of those people that's meant to be strong. I think that's other people. And I'm like, cool with that. And he's like, "You well, you've never trained or you've never, like, you don't know what you're doing. I'm like, dude, I, yeah, I do. Like I've helped all these athletes. He's like, no, it's different. And so he literally, you know, I tore my pec tendon off in 2012. He took me from benching 155 pounds to 700. Unbelievable. Squatting 500 to squatting over 900. Like, <laughs> so but at the you know so when i missed 620 lou was sitting in the front row i went up to him after the meet and i'm like hey lou thanks for coming like i'm sure you weren't paying attention but i pulled 600 easy and 620 ding but like i don't even know if i got the flex out of the bar yeah. and um <laughs> he's like well you can deadlift 700 right now i'm like well fucking obviously not like i just got a staple with 620 and I'm like, what do you I, mean? He's like, your form's perfect. Everything's perfect. He's like, come up to the gym on a Monday. I'm like, oh boy. And I, I had these like, everyone's got these pre made um, visions of Westside and their thoughts and ideas about what goes on in the gym. And finally, you know, because I had been around Big Josh and he was at Westside like 12 or 15 years or something. And finally, I was like, you know what? my lifting's going nowhere. Like I've been in the same ballpark range forever. So I was like, I have nothing to lose. It's right. You know, it's an hour exactly from my gym. I was like, screw it. I'll go up on Mondays. And if, if it doesn't work, I, you know, I'm a nobody in powerlifting, So it doesn't matter. So I went up one Monday and, uh, I was, I don't know if I was ever supposed to stay. <laughs> like, oh, really? Like people were like, "How'd you get invited, Westside?" Like I was a shit lifter, so there was no like, in, like I got an invite, right? And then like, I just was dumb enough to do whatever they said. Like, just some of the shit, just like it was definitely like hazing. Like, oh, we're gonna see if you quit, so we can kick you out, and right? I was, just, I was just like, okay, I'm just gonna keep doing this, and I just kept showing up, and um, love that so I went from 600 to 760 on deadlift, you know, I don't know how many years, five, six. So, but the first day I was there, Lou's like, what are you weigh?" I'm like, ah, 245. He's like, you need to be 285, 295 as soon as possible. I'm like, dude, I don't know. I've, I've been this weight for quite a while. And, uh, so in six months I got up to 290. <laughs> <laughs> Eating a ton of ice cream every day. I I have ate ice cream like maybe five times since that initial weight gain. Like I can't stand it anymore. Yeah. And um, when I did my last meet, I was three oh nine. Like I had to take some clothes off to make three oh eight class. <laughs> so six years, sixty pounds. <laughs> yeah, six years, sixty pounds. But um, man, it was the best. You know, I went into that. Opportunity, just like I'm, just I'm not giving my input on this. This is his gym, and I think that's why I was able to be there. And like he had a me and him had a cool understanding. Like most people, you're you're expected to be there full time, and like there's no. And I was like, dude, I coach, and like in the sun, like I wouldn't go during the summers um because it's like in our in the summer our schedule flips to mostly mornings and um but I think he felt confident with the guys I was around because I was around all the old school West side guys. Like it, it wasn't like I was dropping off. Like they were at my gym. <laughs> so, exactly. if I wasn't, so I think that was part of it. And um, it was just a great experience, honestly, like, and the things, like I still love just calling him and talking about training. Um, you know, I need to go up there whenever I can slow down and, just BS with them and go to lunch and talk about training um I think you would ask like one thing I learned from Watts and one thing I learned from Lou they are two like polar opposites right (laughs) like Lou the best and worst thing about Lou he cares about progress and like so when I got there like I was a nobody and I wasn't very strong and I don't think he cared. I think he just wants to see people go from here to here to here to here to here. like. That makes sense. So people are like, he just cares about numbers, and that's true. Number like, he will rattle off my meet numbers, like probably better than I will. And he'll wow. rattle off everyone like he'll talk about this person like the guys I train with. would be like, yeah, we're at this meet in Zanesville, and they you know they took this on their first. Like it is it's not it, like, sad <laughs> and you know i went up there when our gym got shut down i went up and uh trained with this like my gym was shut down but it was like can you still work out like and he's like yeah these are the weights you need to use because you're gonna you know this band percentage and this and, wow and he's like and the, you know it's gonna be and <laughs> like just he rattled off my whole training cycle i'm like okay like i don't have to think about my workouts this is pretty cool
1: that's amazing
2: so um, what i learned from watts is like like he loves the big lifters he loves you know big world records or the goal of that gym but just the constant progress i think is what he cares about more and people that will break their dick off trying to get better you know like that pit bull mentality of you can kick me, but I'm, I'm not going away. If that's what he thrives on. And that's what he wants the gym to thrive on. That's, I think, almost everyone I've been around, <laughs> you know, past, yeah. present, whatever, that's the mentality that, that, that him and that gym instills in you. And with Watts... I think what I got most from Watts from a strength and conditioning standpoint was logistics. Like I think he is still, what we did at Denison, I did not realize how special it was until I got away from it. We were like, it was ran like a top-notch D1 facility with none of the resources. That's awesome. I mean, and how, how I still structure our training, like how he structured theirs, but they did it because of a time and space and equipment constraints i do it because i'm like this is just the easiest way to run workouts right so um and then as a person like you know he's just an awesome person i mean so showing people and athletes that you care about them and like not the bullshit social media like oh, i care about you like no like you know our college athletes i text several times a semester like hey how how are you pitching? How are you feeling? How's the training? How's this? Like, I giving them, you know, somebody to talk to that's not their parents, not their teammates. Um, man, like, I don't know. Just seeing, you know, keeping during the shutdown, keeping in contact with all these kids. I could think, like, hey, how are right. you doing? Um, like, I think Watts is the best about that. And he, you know, when I was early on, I started getting like a little puffy chest and a little ego to me and, you know, well, so-and-so, they only do this and that. And watch like, you know, some people might judge people on how they can benefit them, but maybe you should think about how you, like, how do you treat people that have nothing to offer you? And I like wow. stood there, like, you know, there's these evolutions of being a coach and being a professional and Everyone has that that stepping point where they're like, "Yeah, I know what I'm doing." Like exactly. Like, like I think I had, had like two articles published on Elite FTS. Like I'm I'm like I know this stuff. <laughs> yep. And like just enough, and I had a good personal training base. Like I was making money doing that. Like living my life. Like bodybuilding show is going good. He said that and I'm like, yeah, I'm probably a little too cocky. I, <laughs> like maybe I should check myself because like in the grand scheme of things, like there's people way better than me. <laughs> so that like, that is something that he told me that I don't think I'll ever forget. Like, how do you treat people that have no- nothing to benefit you?
1: Yeah. that was uh, that's, that's amazing advice. I, a quick story about Watts when um, he was somebody about, like I told you before the podcast, When I created this, he was like, I got to have him on. I know he's not in a same condition anymore, but I just want to talk to him selfishly. And uh, we did our podcast episode and it was awesome. But to what you said with the relationship side and the caring side, um, he had found out, we just found out my wife is pregnant and stuff like that. And this is uh, back in like May. So we're about two months into pregnancy. He probably for like 30 minutes, maybe more, gave me all this advice about being a father, all this stuff that, you know, it was amazing i mean truly to this day i i do a lot of the stuff that he said and i i'm like wow this he obviously knew what he was talking about but uh just for him to care to even share all that information with me was just you could just tell as a person like he's just a great overall person so for you to be able to work under that i mean man that's an incredible person to have be your be your mentor for the beginning
2: yeah and i don't think i said this but like so my family's very just like, my mom was a teacher, my dad was a self-employed like landscaper, physical work guy. And like my parents, when I took it, like this is an unpaid internship. And they're like, well, why are you gonna go do this for free? Like, you need money, you need a job. I'm like, yeah, I know, but whatever, I you know, I'll do it for a little bit. And man, like the things I, the people I met through that job, like I, you know, I got my first training job. I. I, there's coaches like I talk to weekly that I met th- that's the only reason I met them I met my wife because she played softball at Denison and came back for you know a weekend and that's how we met and so literally the most life-changing thing in my experience so far has been an unpaid internship that was five minutes from my house wow
1: And <laughs> it it goes to show too, the relationship side of everything that you grew those relationships way back when and they're in 2020 2021 yeah. now uh look at what it's done for your life man
2: yeah my <laughs> and now my now. my personal doctor was somebody i became friends with me and him are the same age and uh became friends with him like me and him hit it off right away and i always said like oh once you're a practicing doctor let me know and like i'll be one of your first patients and then uh i saw him <laughs> I saw him at the Arnold this year because he was on the medical staff and I was I was there to weigh in for the WPO and I walked in and I'm like oh what are you doing here and me and him talked and uh two weeks later I think I went and did my like setup with him and now he's my doctor and like yeah it's a very crazy 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 thing (laughs)
1: so small world, man but it goes back to show you like you never know who you interact with who's gonna you're going to be interacting with five years, six years down the road. It might be just one little small interaction, but it might be an interaction that they remember forever. So, you know, how do you want to, you know, how do you want to represent yourself as a person as your family too, as well? Um, I heard, uh, I think Rhodes talked about this on a podcast, Matt Rhodes, but him and I talked about this personally. He was talking about like, uh, I think he talked about this with Wendler too. He's like, when you go out in public, he's like, you represent like your whole entire family and stuff like that, you know? And I love that because you never know who you're going to meet and who who's going to be in your life five years from now and what kind of relationships you're going to have with that person you know i remember the first time i ever went down and visited Rhodes when i was living in kentucky i mean i was like the darkest place ever um and i went and visited with him four times and he's become a huge mentor and friend of mine had i not gone and visited him that probably would have never happened and some of the little things that have happened in my life wouldn't happen if i meet with Rhodes or if i'm doing the stuff that I'm doing right now, some of the people I work with now are the reason why I got my job, you know? It's just little, little things that you never realize add up to such monumental moments uh, later on in life, but
2: yeah. yeah. And that's, um, man, it's, you know, so when I was at my old job and I decided to split off, I realized I essentially built a business off of training the people no one else wanted to train. Really? Yeah. So I had one girl and she was a stud softball player. She ended up playing at Louisville then transferred to Ohio state for three years and played a season pro with the Comets had the lowest DRA, I think in, um, in the fast pro fast pitch that year. So like she was a stud, but other than that, um, had a kid that like, you know, struggled with his image and like body weight, like all through high school. Um, his parents have been training with me, oh, five years now straight through. Um, you know, just awesome people. They brought us a Christmas tree this year. Wow, <laughs> right.
1: that's so cool.
2: Um, like we got to go to their their middle, yeah, middle son's wedding. Like I do programming for the oldest kid now because he's in Indy. Um, I had a seventy. He was seventy two at the time when I opened. Uh, year old client like nobody wanted to train him like end up hitting it off with him and his family and um, his wife actually helped me build my wife's engagement ring I was like hey I think I'm gonna propose to my girlfriend she's like oh hold on and like literally took me to her like special jeweler that you have to make an appointment for and all this and um, yeah I mean just that goes on like I trained a bunch of kids that couldn't put their feet in front of each other or jump or land, you know, and I it, it's come back so many times. You know, so I've been doing this about 10 years and like that girl that played fast pitch, now she is giving lessons two buildings down from me and she's got two instructors under her. So now that's a straight referral system to our business. Right. like, <laughs> it's perfect yeah so it's um and she's the reason i became like so in the softball world that was not by design at all it was just i started but all right around the same time one of my first clients (laughs) like she was a girl that could not run could not jump could not lift for shit um she's now my main coach
1: that is so cool man
2: so i started training her in 2010 or 2011 Um, when I open up my own thing, she's like, yeah, we'll be there. No problem. And trained her all through when she played college softball at Ohio Wesleyan. And now she's crushing as a coach running like 20 or 30 sessions a week for me. Like just been a lifesaver. So, you know, those, those are the relationships that I'm after. Like, even if we, yeah, it'd be awesome if we had 200 people coming in through our building, you know weekly or whatever like but it's probably not going to happen <laughs> so <laughs> you know if, if but that's why i tell people like i don't give a shit if we have two people in a group those two people you better coach the shit out of no right. matter how many how good of athletes they are um who their parents are who they are i don't care if there's 10 athletes you better coach. like i always say like whether there's two or 15 people in a group each kid say each kid's name at least one time during that workout and help them with at least one thing every time they're in our building i don't care if it's a warm-up if their elbow like oh no you gotta be externally rotated a little bit more hey your squat this needs to happen whatever it is give everyone some individual attention each session yep and um somebody asked like what i think or the instagram question somebody was asking like what i think help my business the most and it's that like yep. and just individual i'm not running individual programming those group programming um but creating a real personal relationship and not a transactional money relationship yes our business survives on money like every business Definitely. in the world but saying like if you're every day i always say the most important parts of the workout when they come in and when they leave. Yep. The work, the workout itself is, that's a workout, but come in, fist bump. How are you doing? How's your day? What's going on? How do you feel? You know, hey, we're going to do this today. I know you don't like that. That's cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> creating that dialogue. Um, exactly. then, after, then after the workout, what do you got going on after this? You know, if it's the weekend, what do you got? you know not bullshit small talk dude kids kids are not like everyone's like oh it's just kids like kids are not easily fooled no they they know they know when you're real and they know when you're full of shit 100 so, percent.
1: and especially uh, one quick thing too is like it seems like everybody always complains about kids nowadays They're like all oh, these kids are not coachable kids nowadays want to be coached more than ever like they said that about us when we were when we were in high school when we were in middle school they're like, oh, these kids don't want to do anything. It happens with every single like age range. These kids want to be coached up. It's the fact that you're not coaching them. You know, you. I, I met a guy one time. He's like, I want to coach, uh, you know, NFL players and stuff like that. I go, dude, you can't even coach our uh, incoming freshman cheerleaders. What makes me think you, you can expect that you're going to do NFL players just because they're, you know, that?
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, oh, you just hit like three things that I'm like. like boiling points i guess um when when i have adults talk to me about how xyz kids are uncoachable or a pain whatever i always flip it back and i'm like whoa they're your kid so they're a byproduct of what you've shown them exactly and then they're like well what do you mean i'm like it's your kid or you know or the kids don't raise themselves and like every generation is going to have trouble trouble kids like trouble connecting with adults that's not a generational thing that's yeah. human nature there's always people that just have trouble connecting or trouble opening up and honestly some of my best clients are the ones that everyone else outs. like oh that's that's a bad kid don't don't mess with them like whatever dude i give everyone a clean slate until they give me a reason not to exactly and, yep. um, but then another thing you said was like the coach said he wants to work with NFL athletes I just tell those people to just stop just quit coaching um, yeah. one <laughs> two reasons one you're probably not good enough to coach those athletes 2 they're really easy to coach like pro athletes are either genetically gifted through the through the charts I mean I was watching the Ohio State game last night and I'm like These guys are freaks. Like the backup running back for Ohio State, they got in for like a handful of plays. They're like, Yeah, he's 5'8, 230. I'm like, What the hell? Like, this guy's (laughs) jacked to the gills, can run, has feet, and has awareness and understands the game of football. Like, yeah. But yeah, like high level athletes are generally, they either want to outwork everyone or they're so genetically gifted, it doesn't matter and you're not gonna exactly. do shit anyway. If you wanna be a good coach, help middle school kids. Mm-hmm. Help, help teach kids how to move. Help teach a large group of kids how to move. You wanna yeah. to prove to me that you're a good coach, do that. And that's, you know, I got our girl, she's been with me since we reopened in May. She's learning how to use, you know, learning those skills to train kids 10 to 16. And uh, I'm like, listen, if you can master this, training the college kids and high school kids, it's a breeze. Yeah, Teaching these 10-year-olds, like learning how to command the room when you have like a group of 10-year-olds, let's say you have six or eight 10-year-olds and learning how to command the room, that's way more valuable than anything. And that's, I always say the best and worst part about my old job was like our boss the people who owned it were, I don't want to say hands-off, like they weren't hands-off, they did the scheduling and stuff. But like, when uh, there were groups, like I was there running the group. There was not, I'm at my gym all the time, like overseeing stuff, managing stuff. They would, I mean, there's weeks they wouldn't be there at all. So I had to come up with the programming, figure out, and they would schedule like a team of 20. And I'm like, oh my gosh, oh, how do my I gosh. do? Like, and that's when I learned, like, okay, minimize the number of breaks, minimize the movement, like a lot of it, stationary stuff, a lot of games. But and as infuriating as it made me at the time, coaching's so easy now. Like, because not like one, I'm never going to schedule twenty people at a time, because that's called a money money grab. That's not training. But learning how to manage that chaos, dude. Train college, train fifteen college athletes that all have a goal. That's easy.
1: Yeah. So, exactly.
2: But but also if you only want to work with NFL players, that means you're not willing to like uh, put your time in and that's a stupid saying anyway, but you're not going to go from not coaching anyone to coaching professional athletes. Mm-hmm. So you're going to end up being poor anyway. So just don't even get started.
1: <laughs> well, I think it's a trap that is set in uh, sometimes by the, by the profession is that you see the fancy, uh, you know, the NFL, I mean, that's what people want to do with their NBA or major league baseball, or whatever it is. Like you see that. But then I think once you kind of get into the industry, I know this happened with me because I was guilty that at the beginning where I was like, man, I, you kind of chase the logo kind of thing. Right. Um, but then you kind of start to realize, you know, I worked at Division two schools, NAI schools, and you start to see they're all the same. Like they're really all the same. They all need the same thing. And it's like I can have a way bigger impact on these kids than I ever would probably have with a professional athlete or anything, because they're already an adult. They're, they're hardly going to listen to me, but this college kid, this high school kid, this middle school kid, they still can, you know, we can still kind of help them in their journey in life, not just in the weight room, but like you've talked about so much already on this podcast outside of the weight room, you can help them so much.
2: Yep. That's what's most important. Um, Man, it was, you know, so the group of kids from the shutdown that I feel like, Have the hardest time dealing with everything is probably our college athletes. Because I feel, I do feel like they've been jerked around the most, like with uncertainty and like just like their sports got canceled last year. So just, oh, by the way, you don't have a season. Then it's like, are we going back to school? Are we having online classes? Oh, like some kids, like they're online, but they have to go to school. (laughs) Like I'm like, uh, so what they've been dealing with and like they're, you know, they have high school degrees, so they can't like go get a job, especially during a pandemic when businesses aren't really hiring. So they're sort of just stuck with this, like, I don't know what to do. Like, Mm -hmm. um, and their parents are like, I don't know what's going on with your college and their sport coaches are like, Oh, here's what could happen, but be ready for a change. Like they're getting a bunch of question marks for all their answers. So, um, like with building these relationships I, when we got back like they're all excited to be back and i could still tell like a weekend week and a half in like something was still like just not clicking mm-hmm. so we trained and stuff and i didn't have a group coming in after them for some reason and i just pulled them aside i said hey come over here I said how are you guys doing with everything and they're like well, what do you like nobody wanted like everyone's like fine why i'm like no like like be real with me like you guys got a lot going on you guys have a lot of uncertainty like you guys are getting dealt probably the rawest hand out of anyone like you guys aren't you know getting unemployment checks because you're depending on your parents like are you guys doing okay yeah and then like you know one person was like well it's you know a little difficult because like I had a couple college kids that like their parents were like, you're staying inside the house for two months. And um, mm-hmm. like, so these are real things. Like they're in the peak, you know, we have kids that miss their senior season of sports, all like the the best times of your life, your senior year of high school, like towards the end when school like backs off a little bit. And then they're starting college, like in uncertain times and nothing's normal. So like, one kid said something then another was like oh this is bother me or whatever but then like sure. yeah and then uh after that i had about three or four of those kids text me like thank you for like nobody's asking us how we feel yep and i'm like this is like why everybody always wants to tell people what to do like nobody asks people what's going on like everyone's yep. just like this is how you have to do this like there is no you know there's no path you have to take i'm a prime example of that i dropped out of college like 12 times married a doctor
0: <laughs> you, <laughs> know, start, you know
2: dropped out of college to start my own business doing what everyone goes to college to do you know i started a bodybuilding business um i would never really been to a bodybuilding show i did a couple you know i did a couple shows but i had never been there as a spectator so i never really saw but then i was like oh i got this opportunity to run a bodybuilding business cool make some money <laughs> so there's Quick. no path like you know people are like how did you get yeah. published on elite fts so i was like i don't know i saw a button that said send your articles here so i sent them there you go like and people were like how do you get to train was like because i asked the guy that runs the gym like and how did you do this like there's no there's no way you have to do anything and people are like well what how do you open a gym like well you pay 125 dollars or whatever it is for an llc and you have a business now sustaining that business is a whole other (laughs) issue you know find a building and put a squat rack in it that is technically opening a business you know when i opened i didn't even have a name really yeah, I didn't have a name for like three weeks, which was a fiasco within itself because I was like, all right, this should not be that hard. And dude, that was like the hardest thing I've ever done. Like,
1: but you got a killer name, man. Showtime Strength and Performance. Man, <laughs> I, I got to admit, that is pretty daggum good, man.
2: Thank you. That's That was my brother's nickname when he was in high school and everybody started calling me Showtime. and
1: uh, Oh, I love it, man.
2: And then my wife says, she told me the name and I turned it down. And then my mom said the name. I'm like, you know what? I don't have anything else. That's the best I've heard. Let's go with it. <laughs> Cause like I do I, these searches, like, what about this taken? What about this taken? What about this? Like, so it, yeah, it was like three or four weeks before I actually had a name,
1: man. That's awesome. One thing I've noticed a theme here um, with our conversation. And it makes me think of a, a picture I saw earlier this week of a, of a, of a guy just sitting there just like with his head down thinking. And there was a statue next to him that was disappeared, but it had footsteps away. And it was the doer versus the thinker. Some of us love to think like, man, I'm going to open my own business, but I've yeah. got to do all this beforehand. X, Y, Z. Sometimes you just got to go out and do it. And guess what? You'll learn on the fly on certain things. Yeah. If you have a dream, if you have what you need, just go for it.
2: Yeah. So when <laughs> Like I said, I had a rough business plan that has since been burnt and thrown in the trash (laughs) and to never be seen again. Um, But I, I, it was all just one-on-one training when I opened one, because that obviously you charge more. So it gave me more dollars available. Right. Um, But we didn't have any groups. So then like I started getting phone calls from these parents, like, Hey, is there any group training? And I'm like, uh, no, there's not, but we do offer private training and it's this much. And they're like, well, we can't afford that. I'm like, yeah, that's expensive. So then I was like, okay, yes, we do have groups and they start <laughs> Tuesday. Like, and yeah. your two kids are the first people. <laughs> like, that's, <laughs> and then like it became a time issue. So I was taking some like one-on-one people like, hey, I need you in this group. Like, <laughs> and then, man, now we have like an adult. We probably run like five groups a day, I think. That's awesome. So, but, you know, it started just as a one-on-one thing. Like, I didn't think about, like, classes or this or that. It's just like, yeah, I, I have this many clients, and I think they'll all come in. So that's cool. But, like, I've talked to so many people. Yeah. Shit or get off the pot. And,
1: but, just go for it. Just go for it, man. And what's the worst thing that could happen, you know? Yeah.
2: And just go um, for it. You know, I... I'm, yeah, just... You can read books. You can am i on yeah you're on you're good all right something on the screen changed on my end so i wasn't sure um reading books is good but it's like taking a big squat like at some point you just have to take a big weight and if you always are passive in what you want to do or passive in your business like you can't expect different things to happen
1: yeah Yeah. (laughs) i love that advice man so i want to go ahead and kind of dive into some of the not gonna be able to get to them all, but a couple of these that I had highlighted for questions that you got from Instagram and Twitter. um, Some of these are pretty good. Um, So let's go with the first one here. So definitely the benefits and detriments of owning your own facility. So what would be some of the benefits and detriments?
2: Um, Benefits. So everyone opens their own facility. Like, I don't want to work for my old boss. I don't, you know, I want to do things my way. Right when you open your own facility, your clients are your boss. Like uh, that makes sense. Um, Like I said, I'm very aware. Like when I go out, like of how I am perceived in public in our area, um, mm. you know, things I post on social media, like I like heavy music. So I post that stuff, but like, I don't, you know, I don't post pictures of me just being like smashed drunk or, stuff like that things other people i don't think like i don't post um political like just like bashing memes like i'm i pretty much post about lifting the kids at the gym and my wife and my dog and that's really about it um so your clients do become your boss so everyone thinks it's just just like oh you're your own business so you are entitled to freedom and freedom goes away pretty quickly for a while right Um, now the nice thing was and I didn't realize this at the time was like when the shutdown hit it made me very happy that I owned my own business because like if you were in a collegiate setting you're at risk of losing your job like if there's no sports you don't have a job I was able to pivot a lot do things to keep our business alive and keep money coming in. Like I rented out some gym equipment. I had clients that kept billing with us um, in exchange for programming and coaching, like things like that. Like, is it the same? No, but it's an alternative. You know, we, exactly. uh, we are able to sell bands um, selling bands. We've picked up a supplement company we've been happy with, like just all these little things, selling apparel like hey if you want to support the gym during the shutdown buy a hoodie and that was also kicking kick in the ass because uh people are like oh where's a link to buy apparel i'm like there isn't one let me know what you maybe want and i'll let you know what sizes we have oh
1: <laughs> man
2: <laughs> like so that's when i was like oh this is something i need to do this is bad like this is this is bad <laughs> like i, I don't <laughs> i don't have a way for people not in the gym to see what we have available right Uh, so that was one of the things we did was like create an online store which sounds so elementary but i was around strength coaches and i was around lifters for so long that that's the only thing that matters like coaching matters that's you know in uh, west side lou cares about his business but he cares about the gym right like so what's important is inside the gym and that's So I adopted that mentality. Well, when there's no gym, you you have to adapt very quickly. So um, that would be a huge pro because obviously none of us saw this coming. But I was able to adapt so much um, and survive. And honestly, like we finished the year pretty okay considering we were closed almost three months. (laughs) So like you know i told my wife last night like i could not imagine if you would have told me we would finish how we did i wouldn't believed it so you know there was a real there was a real for me and i'm sure every other gym owner like there was a real period of time where it's like we might go out of business like i might start applying for jobs at rogue or wherever like (laughs) to like there might be some serious changes and luckily you know i was splitting firewood for my parents like they during the shutdown um train at, train at west side and then drive to my parents house split firewood four or five hours
1: <laughs> wow
2: you know but that, do whatever that, you that's the reality do. That
1: people don't understand they don't they just think like oh you're in your gym everything's gonna be fine i got my nice equipment blah 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 it's like no there's a lot of extra things that you do not realize go into all of this that's why i love oh. being able to have somebody like you on here to kind of like share like this is the reality of it, guys
2: I, uh, so my buddy Big Josh has helped me with all the lifting. I brought his nephew on um, like three months before the shutdown. I was like, hey, you want to quit your job and help me at the gym? Yeah. And just like doing admin work and doing like all this software stuff and behind the scenes stuff that nobody thinks about. But, and, but me and him, that we usually meet twice a week. And I told him the other day, I'm like, dude, this is, it's so crazy. Like I have to learn something new every week. Like there's a system I have to learn. There's a app I have to learn. There's something that me and him sit down every week, like getting this online store set up. That was like learning how shipping cost works. Like I was like, yeah, like our website was all done. And then I had to figure out how to uh, do shipping. Like what shipping option do I want to use? That's a process. And that was something I had never thought about in my entire life. So I was calling other business owners, supplement company owners, like apparel company owners like, Hey, how do you ship your stuff? Like, <laughs> You know, I spent two days just calling people, asking them about their shipping process. Wow. You know, or, you know, like we talked a little bit about social media, like there is a strategy to social media and how you, how you're perceived in real life, how you're perceived in the social media world. Like these are all things you have to learn. And honestly now what's interesting um i find myself following more crossfit gym owners than um, like sports performance facility owners and stuff like that like there's something unique i will never do crossfit but there's something unique about how they operate their business and their mindset of how they operate their business and build their communities like it's a very interesting niche and So I've been following a lot of what they're doing and it's, it's uh, I think they got it figured out a lot better than the lifters and sports performance coaches, honestly. Well, success leaves clues, right? Yeah.
1: So they're going to leave something for you that you can pick up and and, and take on with you. And, you know, if you, if you did CrossFit, how good of a story would that be? Former Westside barbell lifter, now a uh, CrossFit <laughs> champion. Man, right there, I see it on the headlines. That's perfect. Oh, man. I ran,
2: uh, so my last meet was in October. I just, like, the gym's getting to a point where it needs more of my attention. I um, want to do more things with my wife. So my last meet was in October, and losing weight, and uh, she, me and her went to the gym yesterday, and she was finishing her workout, and I, me and my dog ran um, 10 60-yard shuttles. <laughs> and she's like, how do you feel? I'm like, I'm pretty gassed. Like, <laughs> but like, I, you know, I, I did it exactly how I do it with our athletes. Like I did the same uh, work to rest ratios I'd use with them. Like, <laughs> you know, so yeah, sprinting now, that's new.
1: <laughs> Let's go on to this next question. I think this is a pretty good one. One um, of the biggest misconceptions Uh, that you see with
2: the conjugate system everything
1: yeah
2: Yeah. that's my blunt answer Um, that oh that you have to use the squat bench and deadlift Um, what people fail to realize Lou and Westside uses those exercises in the conjugate system because that's their sport right your like our biggest market is softball. our softball players do not need to bench two hundred and twenty five pounds. It does not matter, and you have to adapt the program to your settings, so like our kids um like I said, they don't need to bench two twenty five to play softball. That girl that played for the comments she was clocking like seventy three I think when she played pro ball, which is smoking oh, and softball yeah. that's that's upper level um she benched like 115 for five and i was like yeah that's cool like <laughs> yep um you have to the best thing about the conjugate system is it's so adaptable like i don't know how other programs work anymore because i'm like this is what makes so much sense um but yeah those exercises are picked because lou works with powerlifters. like when he has track athletes, they don't train how the lifters train. Like, you know, I would say like when there's been football players in there, they train the most similar to us. But football is a pretty combat sport, right. physical. You know, um, you would, you don't have to use bands and chains. You don't have to box squat. Like you, you That's fill good. in these blanks with what you feel is applicable to the people you're working with.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Like my wife did Olympic weightlifting and she's she backed off of it because it was mess up or powerlifting she's like I don't think I can do both I'm like I've been telling you you can't do both But <laughs> um, so now that we're both just like exercising she's like I want to do some Olympic lifts we go like so I'm programming those back in for her and um, she's on a conjugate system with and she's using the Olympic lifts in that rotation because that's what she wants to do like <sighs> And when people see like how I train our high school kids, they're like, well, that's not conjugate. I'm like, mm, yeah, it is. And I've shown it to Lou and he gave me the thumbs up. And, and, <laughs> you know, and I've talked to Tom in depth about it, like how we train people. It, we use the conjugate principles to our setting. And I think more people need to do that. Like a lot of this um, conjugate stuff I see online is yeah. a bastardized version, I would say. Like, I'm big on, yes, lift the most weight you can when it's applicable, but if your joint integrity is dog shit, it doesn't mean anything. Like, exactly. the shit slamming off the box on a box squat. Like, dude, your kids can't even lower themselves eccentrically to the box. Like, you don't see people squatting like that at West Westside. Like, no. <laughs> so uh, Biggest misconceptions, like, using i think people think conjugate means use every uh variable you can use use boards use chains use bands use reverse bands use this bar that bar like dude all right your 10th grader does not need to squat into a phone pad with a safety bar with chains with reverse bands with a wide stance like at what point are you tracking anything like you have to track weight exactly yep like um and i i tell people all the time like they're like how do you set up your max effort training with athletes we don't and they're like what like it just blows their mind yeah yeah like all right well if you saw the athletes we've working we were working with maximal effort training probably doesn't apply like there is a risk to reward with everything right and and like i said there's I'm sure you've seen this with yourself and other coaches. Like there's these evolutions of strength coaches and like, so I didn't use bands and chains until I had been at Westside for a while. Cause I was like, I don't quite understand how to do this. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to do it. Then I got to Westside. I'm like, okay, I'm getting an understanding. And then I like put probably too much band, too much chain on. And we've really scaled it back to where like our strongest guys, athlete wise, we use like two chains on squat. So you're talking wow. 80 pounds. Yeah. It's enough to elicit a response. <laughs> That's all you need. It's just enough to elicit a response. Um, you know, those guys, and this is a D1 baseball player. He, you know, he'll use a green band on squats. So what's that, an average band?
1: Yeah. Okay. That'll be yeah. like
2: the most band tension they'll use. You know, our our young kids that aren't very strong, they might use a choked mini band you know but like our young kids like they just got to move so um i think it was Monty sparkman asked like how do we introduce kids to the conjugate system our base training like for young kids like middle school it's very linear if that makes sense okay i'd say it's conjugate and we do rotate the exercises so they might do like a sumo kettlebell deadlift one week um teach them a hex bar deadlift the following week and then have them like do an RDL with a kettlebell the next week. So we will rotating the exercises and the intensities and that, but generally for our young kids, man, it's three or four sets of eight to 10, maybe five, you know, we rotate our jumps each week. We rotate our med ball throws. And that's the biggest thing I wish people would do with the conjugate system is rotate your stuff. Like we, the way we use it in our gym with high school and college athletes. So, like a, we have a squat day, we have a bench day, we have a deadlift day, and we have a vertical pressing day. So the three days, the main three, we really just run speedways and we keep each. So right now, there this will be week two of free squatting with bands. So just a regular squat with bands. So they'll do a set of eight, set of five, and then a bunch of sets of three. And they pair that with jumps and either prehab or ab, and that's one of the things I saw from Watts is you go from spotting to squat, squat to jump, jump to prehab or ab. There is no time to hesitate. Uh, you give kids time to mess around; they will take it. And yeah. I, I And I know everyone talks about, well, you gotta have this rest period and this and that. Like, how long are you training these kids? Yeah, I, exactly. I train I train kids for an hour, so in an hour to an hour and 10 minutes, they need to get all this stuff done. And everyone's like, our athletes train six days a week. Like, dude, ours are, our college kids train four. Everyone else trains two to three, you know, but they might have a date on the night they're supposed to train. So they're only training one to two. Like, right. So you have to be realistic. Like they're still high school kids, middle school kids, whatever. But, um, so yeah, so they'll do, we do three week waves, um, and on the third week, or if they're feeling good, like, and they have the skill level, like, hey, I want to take a max. Sure, take it. If you feel good. Do you think you can hit a PR? Do it. <laughs> exactly. Um, or let's just work up to a heavy three, and do that. So the way I said everything, and we don't have Tendo units. I Watts gave me an old Tendo unit, and I tried fixing it, and I ended up throwing it away. <laughs> um, and I asked Lou if he had ever used Tendo units. He said he had. He was given the first one, and he threw it away after a workout. Like everyone wants to measure bar speed and talk about velocity and this and that. Like maybe if you're in a more controlled setting where you have athletes, you know you got them. Eight months. Maybe I'd use them more. But week one. So yeah. So that's my point. We never used a training system at Westside is completely based off speed, and we never used anything. Other than this is how much you lift, this is how much weight you need. (laughs) Like, you know, the whole time when I was training squat 900, I was training with Luke Edwards, Burley Hawk, and Jake Anderson. It was four plates week one, four and a half week two, five plates week three. And that was usually with 350 to 450 pounds of band. So you're talking about nine, like our sets were around 900 pounds at the top. So when I went to squat 900, it was a freaking cakewalk. But so week one with athletes, we work up and I'll say, Hey, that's a good weight. This is the speed we want for this week. Keep that weight, move it the same or faster. That's their weight for week one, week two. um, We will add five to 10% based, you know, percentages with, I don't think anybody should use percentages with high school kids. There's weight like, and that's why I laugh when people are like, it's gotta be this percentage for high school kids. Like, Really? Are you t- talking about their percentage when they trained for last football season, or after they had football season, or after yep. you know going into summer training? Like that's why I don't mess with percentages. I tried it for a while. I'm like, these kids don't know what their max is for bench press. So day yeah. one, do I want to say, all right, we gotta find out your max on bench press when they're untrained? It makes no sense. Nope. Uh, exactly. I agree. 100% agree with that. So week two, we add five, 10 percent, whatever it might be. But that, I say 5 to 10%, just ballpark like, okay, last week you swatted three plates with a band. Let's go three plates, dime five, see how that looks. So that'd be your 10%. Looks good. Cool. Keep that speed. Or, hey, last week you did three plates, but it didn't move quite as fast as I want to see. Keep that weight. We're going to increase the volume like through our sets and make it faster. Week three, add a little bit more weight or stay based on the velocity of the previous week. Um, either do your speed sets or work up to a max.
1: What I love you talking about right here, it's called having a coaching eye and, and seeing from week one to where we expect you to be at for week four, but understanding we're going to probably have plan B, plan C, plan D involved into that. And that's called having a great coaching eye. That's exactly what I hear when you talk about all that.
2: Yeah. I told my wife, you know, it's the hardest I, like I was getting frustrated. I'm like, oh, why are like we had um, some coaches like taking kids up too heavy or too light, whatever it might be. I'm like, well, I don't understand why. And she's like, you're running organized chaos. She's like, that's not very. It's hard to. She's like, you have ten years of watching this. She's like, give people the time to develop what you have. And I was like, oh, so I've really try to break it down for people like okay if this kid's only benching 65 pounds or 75 pounds you might think you're just adding 10 pounds a side but what you're really doing is adding 20 pounds total and that might be 30 percent more that <laughs> you're right. loading another 30 percent onto the bar so you need to really think about that before you do it <laughs> exactly and that's, and that's what i mean with the percentages. Um, percentages would be easier with high le- higher level athletes obviously like if you're in a college setting yeah it makes perfect sense but like our kids don't know what they squat max deadlift max they could give two shits less i have like three kids that care and that's just it but doing this we had a girl about 120 pounds 125 box squat 225 for
1: three sets of five man that is good weight man
2: and i mean they were fast and she's playing at eastern kentucky right now um the one guy he's at miami of ohio right now and he was frustrated not frustrated but i can tell he's like why don't we max out like i know you max out I'm like well my sport is lifting heavy weights yours is throwing a baseball exactly <laughs> so uh he didn't max out for eight months and finally i pointed out to him i said hey when you started here you squatted 315 for three he's like yeah i said okay you just did three sets of squat with 315 or 325 plus 80 pounds of chain for triples like for five (laughs) sets or something he's like yeah what's your point i'm like so that's 10 pounds higher than your like heavy three plus 80 pounds of chain and it was moving fast and he's like Oh, he's like. So I'm a lot stronger. I'm like, yeah, man. <laughs> like, go, oh. and that year he led the state of Ohio in high school baseball for home runs. And another girl we trained, she led the state in home runs for softball.
1: Yeah, you point out a good thing too, as well as like sometimes you know, you always hear like the just add more weight kind of mentality kind of thing. like, do we really need to add more weight or do we really need to slow things down a little bit and just change things up just a little bit? You know what I mean? And I just wonder about that sometimes. And right there's a perfect example. I mean,
2: yeah. So faster, that's
1: what you want, right?
2: What's funny is the population we work with the least is football.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: We do not, if we have a football kid sign up, they don't stay because they're like, well, we don't need to lift heavy there. I'm like, well, you can't. Like, one, heavy's relative. Two, your technique is awful. Three, I really don't care.
1: Exactly. Like,
2: the strongest kid I've seen, um, he could have played college football. He just genetically was not built to play college football, <laughs> like just short. He was just, like a little bulldog. I mean, but he squatted 500. I was like, that's a strong kid. Like that, it was a legit, like all the way down, all the way up. I'm like that is strong. So when I hear these high school guys, like I squad 500 for five, I'm like, dude, get out of here. You can't, you can't squat 200
1: right
2: but, so the, yeah that's how we introduce the conjugate system and how we monitor it and how we progress it um, rotate the main exercise every three weeks on our, i love vertical pressing i don't think athletes have a need to vertical press heavy i think it's great to build hypertrophy um, and to have strength in that motion but to be here and just your natural movement you're going to pitch forward and then come back so that's a lot of pressure on the ac joint i just don't see a need for it so we rotate our overhead movements weekly that's the only thing main movement wise we will rotate weekly and it goes from a half kneeling dumbbell press to a standing one dumbbell overhead press to a push press to a split jerk and then back
1: okay i like that people get kind of scared of of overhead pressing with athletes and i feel like exactly what you said right there it's like if you find the if you find the movement and if you find the way to get it in there, you can safely do that. And why wouldn't you want to build something up? Yeah. Why wouldn't you want to build that up? I feel like you're just missing out on so much by just negating it. If I, we don't do it, it's never going to get stronger.
2: Right. So we're never and going to be
1: able to protect that area.
2: Like, I was telling my wife a few weeks ago, I was like, we haven't done barbell overhead press in years. I was like, let's bring that back. So we did like an axle overhead press because the axle bar is only like 20 pounds. Mm-hmm. man within one work i'm like yep that's why we haven't done it fuck that we're done (laughs) like it was awful so i'm like yeah we'll stay with if i had landmine attachments which that might be something we look into this year uh, like a landmine attachment on each rack um maybe get into like some of the half kneeling landmine presses
1: yeah i'm a big fan of the landmine presses as far as the the single arm work it's something that we did when we were out at coastal and something i really enjoyed to use but um let's go i got two more questions here for you last yeah. two here so um what is uh the key trait that has made your business so successful i think we kind of already answered that earlier but go ahead and dive into that one one more talk. yeah
2: yeah i think we covered that earlier mainly just the personal connection and really yeah. caring i mean like i said like we don't run 20 person groups. Um, I think when you do that, I think you lose a lot. So we've done it and we were, we had so many people coming in and that's when our turnover was the highest because the product we were putting out was subpar. Right. So we've really made sure that that does not happen ever again.
1: All right. So last question, and this is by far my favorite question that our boy Bruce put up. As you said, uh, and you—I think you elaborated on it a little bit earlier. I'm very interested. Because I didn't know this either. I heard you were once a bodybuilder. Elaborate.
2: Yeah. So Bruce and I have known each other through a um, buddy, Kevin Clark, who coached at Denison, and Bruce would come down and train with us. And he came down. I think when I—I I think I met him, maybe when I was getting ready for my last show. And,
1: oh wow!
2: Yeah. So that was 2000. 2010 2011 yep that that's a previous lifetime that's a hundred pounds ago um never to be seen again but man like i'll tell you though the the running the bodybuilding organization was the best thing i ever did um because i was at a point in my life where i i had nothing to lose like i was living at home with my parents and um so i was like yeah i'll email I'll email this supplement company this one and this one and this one and this supplement store and get sponsors and man I think we we were drawing like I think over three grand a show for sponsors wow yeah so it taught me a lot about like just put it out there put feelers out there do this do that and um it was huge I mean I learned how to run a business and I learned what not to do and it was like a free clean slate to mess up yeah and like I said in in three years, it went from 13 to over 100, and um, it really helped me learn to delegate. And it paid off, you know, helping me when we opened as a business. Like, okay, I'm going to run events to make money. I know how to run events. I know how to logistically do this. I mean, those were huge money makers for me in in that time to keep the gym open funnel some money in so we can buy some equipment upgrade some stuff um i mean it having the bodybuilding show we ran two shows a year um it was why i was able to open a gym like i was able to live off that money and not take money from the gym for a long time to keep it up and so um I even, like, I saw a picture of it the other day and I told my wife, like, man, I wish we were still involved in that. Like, I don't miss the culture <laughs> at all. Like, it it got to a point where I really realized, like, bodybuilding was younger, like, a younger version of me. This is not me anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of, like, what ended up happening with powerlifting. We all go through phases. Like, it's just, at some point, I'm like, this isn't quite me at this moment. Right. Um, but, man, like, I met one of my best friends, Kyle Harris. Who maybe that's somebody you should have on this podcast? As far as baseball knowledge, I think he is just incredible. And any questions or like I'll have these ideas for exercises in my head. I'm sure people have done them. I just haven't seen them. I'm like, oh, what if we do this? And I'll just like have a kid try it and then video them and then send it to my buddy Kyle and be like, This is my thought with this. What do you think? And he'll be like, he'll type out this response, like, <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> Like he's one of my best friends I've ever met. So I talked to him pretty much every day. He was at my wedding. So the bodybuilding show, like it, I guess that's what I would tell everyone. Like before you want to be an online trainer and do this and like find something and like we talked about earlier, like there's ways to be in it without being in it.
1: Exactly. And that was like
2: my way to get into the fitness world. And the number of people I met through that was huge.
1: Yeah, I love it, man. As we wind down, I want to go ahead and go ahead and plug, you know, social media, websites, whatever you can. How can people reach out to you if they if they've um, on what they got questions or want they hear from this episode?
2: I knew you were gonna ask me like social media stuff. I'm like, oh, what is my <laughs> <laughs> um, on Instagram or our website's just ShowtimeStrength.com. Um, Instagram for the gym is just ShowtimeStrength, and then my personal one is an underscore Showman. And then my Twitter, which is where I post my stuff, is just at N Showman. So if you ever just want to see pictures of my dog or random training tips or stoner rock stuff, that's usually what I'm doing.
1: Well, awesome. Nick, I like I said, uh, bucket list guest. I can't thank you enough for being on here. And I definitely will agree. Like you're probably one of the best social medias out there on training tips and everything like that. So I definitely hope people reach out to you. But again, thank you, Nick, for being on this week.
2: All right, man. Thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely. Well, everybody, make sure you reach out to Nick. Uh, make sure you you know follow him on social media. Uh, make sure you follow the podcast. And everybody, stay strong.
0: Look at that. You made it all the way to the end of the episode. Wasn't well, that had an awesome episode? So thank you so much for our sponsor, Optimum Nutrition Athletics. Make sure you guys reach out to Dave Harvey of Optimum Nutrition Athletics on how you can get that into your facility. Again, his information is down in the show notes. Thank you to our guests this week. Thank you to everybody that sports the podcast. Make sure you give it that five stars on Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast at. And everybody, stay strong.